Welcome to this week's episode of Seen and Heard, Industry Updates for the Modern Dairy Family. I'm Darby Toth, a Technical Field Services Representative with Western United Dairies. And I'm Melissa Lima, the North Coast and Organic Field Services Rep with Western United Dairies. Hey Darby, how's it going this week? Um, well, it's some kind of week. I think everybody's <laughs> kind of a... Uh living in this it feels a little apocalyptic if i'm being honest i know well and it's funny we talk about this year 2020 and we're on episode 20 so i'm wondering if that number 20 might be a little whole curse this year but it is it has been a week lots going on we usually like to start our episode with what we call our witty banter we talk about the weather but this week it's a little more serious and not just in your area but serious everywhere it seems like yeah, in addition to the fires, you know, we're having all of this air, these air quality issues, and then it's just hot, and it's been hot from what I understand pretty much everywhere across the state. You know, we um, we got up to 93 in Humboldt County on Saturday, which it seems lovely probably compared to 111 in the valley, but um, with the humidity, it was, it was pretty crazy here, and we've been, you know, in the 70s and 80s all week, but um, we don't have the smoke like you guys do, but just kind of also an apocalyptic cloud cover that seems unseasonable. So I've been working with a lot of dairies in Sonoma County that are affected by the fires. Luckily, most of our guys down there are safe, um, as are most of our dairy producers throughout the state. But I do have one dairy that's within uh, just a few miles right now of the Wahlberg fire. So keeping in touch with him and trying to connect him with resources. It's just, it's just kind of all around a what else could happen? But I don't want to ask that question because I'm afraid I'll get an answer. I agree. We shouldn't ask. You know, we've been talking a lot about, you know, the fires and everything that's going on and the heat. And I think it's really important that we talk about kind of some heat illness reminders and things to be thinking of as we have this heat carry us out throughout this week. Um, I know a lot of producers are really worried about their cattle since heat illness can affect them. But they need to remember to worry about themselves and their employees too. So they need to ensure that there's plenty of fresh water available, not only for their cows, but for all their employees and themselves. Definitely. It's also a good time to limit any extra outdoor work, maybe anything that can be put off for a few days or a week, um, extra activities wherever someone might have to go out into that 108 or 111 degree weather. Um, trying to limit that stuff is really important right now. Yeah, and then you can always remind your employees about heat illness prevention with signs and those can detail the symptoms of heat illness and you should also enforce those scheduled breaks and offer extra break times in shady and indoor locations if needed, needed obviously with appropriate social distancing measures. I know it's hard to believe not only is uh, this hot weather, extremely hot weather complicated by social distancing and everything surrounding COVID-19, but we're also this week in California competing with rolling blackouts. So a lot of farmers that are trying to keep those fans and misters on, I know have been affected. We even had a rolling blackout up in Petaluma this, this last week. So we're, we know everyone's doing the best they can, but if you need extra resources about heat illness issues, please don't hesitate to reach out to Derby or I or our office at any time. Yeah, well, I'm excited about our episode this week. We have our usual market update with Annie, and um, Melissa and I both got to talk with Denise Molinax, and we had a really great conversation about CDRF and CDQAP. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about the end of at the end of this episode um, about farmer mental health, which is something we touched on really early when we began the podcast. But 
I think it's important as farmers continue to deal with the changing times that we make sure we recognize that those mental health problems can exist and that they can be helped. Definitely. I think it's a good, good time to just give some reminders about how we should be looking out for each other and ourselves with all the complications that are happening in our world. So I'm going to toss it over to Annie to get us started with this week's market update and a quick update on one of the chapters of Quota we've been discussing. Thanks, Darby and Melissa. Um, there has been some development on the quota front, and it seems like maybe one of the chapters that we were considering uh, might have come to some sort of conclusion. So if you recall, we had the Chapter 3.5 hearing in early June. The administrative law judge um, came to recommendation, and he recommended to the secretary that uh, there should not be a referendum held on that Chapter 3.5. And after that, StopQuip basically requested a reconsideration of that decision that was denied by CDFA subsequently. And now this week, Secretary Ross has adopted the administrative law judge recommendation, which means there will not be a chapter 3.5 referendum on that specific uh, chapter. So it doesn't mean that all the quota discussions are uh, done. In fact, there is a producer review board meeting next week uh, scheduled for August 27 at 10 a.m. That's open to the public, so anybody can attend, although it is virtual attendance. So make sure to um, check out WUD's newsletter. The last one, there's a Zoom link for it. Um, if you don't have it, you can send me an email, annie at wudairies.com, and we can get you set up to listen into that meeting. And one of the agenda items that will be considered at that meeting will be the petition that was submitted by United Dairy Families of California. And so again, this might move to a hearing, which in turn could potentially move to a referendum. So similar path that the Chapter 3.5 uh, hearing followed, that, that hearing had come about because of a petition submitted by StopQuip. CDFA at that meeting will also provide an update on enforcement and the quota uh, administration budget and the fund condition. And there's also going to be a legal update on all the other um, issues that are occurring on quota. So enough of uh, quota at the moment. I will jump into the market update. Um, it's been it's been a tough week in California with all the heat and all that's going on. And it, it wasn't a, a good week in dairy markets, unfortunately, either. Although we have been mentioning this was eventually going to come because uh, CME spot prices have been um, going down rather rapidly. And USDA prices tend to follow those CME prices. And so there's a little bit of a lag. And so this is what happened this week. We saw the cheese price uh, go down, you know, blocks lost 35 cents, barrels 33 cents. But despite those hits, the price was still at high levels. And so we've got blocks at 229 a pound and barrels at 212. And so those are not prices uh, worth complaining about just yet. If we look um, at the butter price, We've had some, a um, little bit more stability. You know, we just, it increased by 0.87 cents this week. So we're at $1.56 a pound. What we've seen at the CME is that the, the prices have hovered in the upper $1.40 range to lower $1.50 range. And so the USDA prices, you know, has probably, um, is probably going to follow a similar stability there like that. Um, and I don't know if we can call that stability, but at least less volatility than what we've seen on the cheese side. Um, and, and if we look outside our borders, the latest global dairy trade auction 
um, settled at the average was dollar fifty three for butter. And so what's happening outside our borders similar, although things have improved in Western Europe, and the average uh, price there for butter was up to dollar eighty five per pound. Now, butter doesn't, there's not a high share of butter that's exported. And so the international markets don't have as big an impact as it does for powder. And speaking of powder, um, the USDA price lost just under two cents. We're down to 96 cents per pound. But at the CME, uh, the price just marched over the dollar threshold this week. So a dollar one per pound. Uh, still not great, but at least moving in the right direction. And if we look outside our borders, the latest GDT was $1.18 per pound. And so the U.S. is priced really competitively. This should help our exports and hopefully, um, in fact, should help prop our price up as that um, international price is higher. And so if we look at the percentage of powder exported, we're close to 85% some months. And so there's definitely a um, a huge percent of that um, international price that is an impact. Dry weight didn't move much, lost just under a penny, down to 33 cents per pound. Not a whole lot happening in this market. Um, just in general, demand is weaker. Uh, but in other news, USD released its milk production report this week, and it was the highest year-over-year jump in U.S. milk production since March. Uh, it was up 1.5% over a year ago in July. So it's not a huge jump, but considering everything that's been happening, it, it was more than what we've seen recently. And so... Typical states that have been up all throughout this year, Idaho and Texas, were up again. Uh, no surprises there. But interestingly, all the other uh, dairy states in the top five were also up. And that's something we had not seen since fall of 2019. California, the smallest gain, just up half a percent. And that was only due to an improvement in milk per cow. So it was up 15 pound um, because animal uh, count remains below last year. So we were down 4,000 head uh, in the Golden State compared to same time last year. And so interestingly, in Texas, which was which had the largest gain of the top five dairy state, they were up four per <laughs> that's apparently a very hard number to say, 4.4% over last year. Um, their situation, they had the exact same milk per cow number, but their uh, cow number was significantly higher. So Texas had 25,000 more dairy cows this year than it did at the same time last year. So obviously all these production numbers are going to get impacted uh, when August data rolls in due to all the uh, heat waves and the issues that um, that is causing for animals. So this is uh, concluding my market update. Thanks for listening and we'll talk next week. Well, now we're going to jump into a discussion that Melissa and I had with Denise Mullinax. We're so excited to have a colleague and I would say great friend, Denise Mullinax, the Executive Director at California Dairy Research Foundation with us today. Thanks so much for joining us, Denise. Good afternoon, Brian. Thanks so much for having me. We're so glad you could join us, Denise. We're just here to check in with you, learn a little bit more about you and your role at CDRF and CDQAP, and then we'll jump into some kind of pertinent issues that are going on right now with COVID and just general dairy stuff, if that works. You bet. You bet. Yeah. Great. Well, Denise, can we start out? Maybe give us a little bit of a, a history about yourself and then just um, your role at CDRF and how you got where you are. Oh gosh, yeah. So um, I've been working in the dairy industry now for 
Oh, somewhere over 20 years. Um, I came to CBRF, um, gosh, back in 2006. So it's been, you know, 14, almost 15 years now that I've been working with CBRF. Um, when I first came on board, I really worked in the CDQAP or the California Dairy Quality Assurance Program. That was my main focus. And then um, a couple of years ago, back in 2018, um, I took over the executive um, director position at CDRF. So a little bit of a shift in activities for me, um, but very rewarding and enjoying it very much. Absolutely. And just for our listeners, I know we, we always joke about the alphabet soup that is the dairy industry, but can you describe how CDQAP fits into CDRF? I think a lot of people know, but just for those that don't. Sure, you bet. So um, CDRF has actually been around for a long time. Um, a lot of people aren't really, I think, that familiar um, with our work, but um, CDRF was actually created um, by CMA back in um, 19. 88, um, and they were really set up as a nonprofit research corporation on behalf of the California dairy industry. So our mission is really um, research, education, um, and development activities all surrounding um, supporting California's um, dairy industry specifically. Um, and CDQAP is one of CDRS programs. When CDQAP was actually started um, back in 1998, it was CDRF, um, Farm Bureau, and others that provided seed funding um, to really kick off um, the, the Dairy Quality Assurance Program here in California. Um, after that, there was a couple of grants that came in um, because there was, at that point, a big interest. Um, started out really on, on focus on human health, um, and we had some scary situations going on with children getting sick and, and so forth. And then um, with the El Nino storms quickly shifted to um, the industry really um, being threatened by environmental issues. And so then the big push um, really came to go into environmental management and kind of the CDQAP that we know it's sort of the flagship um, of the program. Um, but yeah, CDRF has provided the base funding for CDQAP for, for a number of years. Well, thanks so much kind of for that explanation. I'm kind of a, a newer member of the industry, so I'm always trying to put pieces together. And I think it's nice, even if people already know, to just kind of get a refresher of how those pieces fit together. Um, can you fill us in on what has been going on at CDRF and maybe some adjustments kind of in the activities due to COVID-19? Um, so, you know, CDRF has actually been quite busy um, during uh, COVID. You know, back um, in 2019, when after I came on board, um, we went through a whole strategic evaluation process um, and developed an entirely new strategic plan that really, I think, was more reflective of the challenges that we were getting right here um, in California. And so we've really been pursuing that plan for the last couple of years. So that really, what that really means in real time, that means that our research projects kind of shake into some different areas. Um, and so we kind of have five areas that we do um, research in, and I'll just lift them off for, you know, if people are, um, if people are interested, but environmental management, social responsibility, um, product innovation, obviously uh, human health, 
um, and nutrition and then capability building on behalf of the, of the industry as well. And so um, we've really been sort of um, shifting, if you will, our focus onto those um, with a big push. I would say the big new area really has been for us um, this whole area of environmental management. And I don't have to tell anyone in the dairy industry, you know, all of the struggles and pressures that we've been receiving um, on that front. And so we just really felt like we needed to take a big chunk of our funding and focus it toward assisting the industry with research um, in that area. So um, to that end, what, what we're currently working on is a couple of different things. Um, first of all, our calendar year in terms of research funding um, does work kind of on a true calendar year. And so that means that um, here this fall, we'll be bringing research proposals to our board for consideration for funding. So in order to get to that, we have to go out to the researchers um, and do what we call a call for proposals and kind of reach out to them. Um, and we, we, use, um, we use some steering advisory groups and so forth in that area to kind of help us guide the researchers um, and give them some information like what are we looking for so that it's not, you know, so wide open. So that's kind of the process that we've been going through with them and it's, it is a process. We go through pre-proposals, then full proposals, and then once we get the proposals, then we have to have them vetted because obviously, um, you know, we're just not going to bring any proposal to our board for consideration. We have to make sure, one, that it's reflective of true needs um, in that category, but also that it's very scientifically sound. Um, and so we have other researchers um, review those proposals for us and give us input on changes that are needed if it needs to be bolstered in one area or so forth. So um, anyway, so we've been going through that process. Um, and then the other thing that we're doing is um, we also started um, last year in 2019 uh, what we call our annual report. And um, that is a report that we developed for CMAB and for our industry leadership. And it's just really a way for us being um, kind of increasing, if you will, our transparency and letting people know, hey, this is, you know, we're paid for um, through CMAB, but we're paid for by checkoff dollars. And so we want people to know, hey, this is where your money is going. This is what's, you know, the research projects that are being funded by your money. And this is how you're benefiting from that investment. Um, and so we're going through that process. We typically put out that report in September-ish. And so um, we've been working on that. In terms of COVID, how it's really affected us, um, I would say it's somewhat business as usual, um, but the, we have had like everyone else to make modifications. So um, we're a pretty tight staff. Um, we don't have, we want to carry a big overhead, so there's not a lot of us. Um, but what we do is we stagger staff coming into the office um, and obviously cleanings in between and then working at home. Thank heaven for technology, right? Um, we're all doing, you know, more Zoom calls than we care to participate in um, and the like. Um, but that's how we've been handling it um, at CDRF. Great. Well, I'm really interested in the, the annual report, Denise. That's a great way to let dairymen know just how you're putting their money to work. You guys have really shown the huge value in, in your organization with those checkoff dollars that come from dairies. So that's something I know our dairy producers really appreciate. 
Um, and it's also good to hear that, it, you know, in a lot of our organizations, we haven't had to make huge adjustments. Obviously here at Western, we're not out in the field like we would normally be, but still able to help and facilitate things for producers through visiting on Zoom. And like you said, I think we're all a little burned out on the Zoom calls, but yes, I think, thank God every day for that touch up appearance button when we get on yeah. there. But, um, but yeah, it seems like, you know, in the industry, there were some kind of a little bit of upset at the beginning, but we've all kind of fit into a groove and figured out how to just push forward. And that's what we do. We have to help facilitate, you know, everything for the guys that help feed the world. So it's good to hear right. we all come together and right. keep things moving. Yeah, one kind of disappointing thing we did have, and we're, we're working through it like everyone else, but, you know, many of our researchers um, are with the University of California, Davis, yeah. um, and different departments or you know down in Cal Poly or other institutions and um, unfortunately those institutions took a pretty strong stance at the very get-go I think you know like everybody else everybody was you know pretty nervous and so forth um, so we did have a number of our projects that um, requested extensions and we have like everything else we have a process for that um, they can do that um, and you know we'll still be getting that research, but you know it's going to be three to four months delayed because you know they're just now being able to get back into the groove and you know get into their labs or get out in the field or whatever it is. Um, and I think they've pretty much worked through that now and things are moving forward. But when this first came out, we were like, uh oh, you know what's going to go on with all of our you know research projects because we have all these projects that are like in the queue. Some of them close to being done. Some of them. Just started what's going to happen um and so um anyway but it, it's working through like i said some of them are be, you know maybe a few months delayed but we'll still get the you know the project completed and get the information out the other side which is you know of course is the industry that's what we want you know definitely definitely yeah it's, it's pandemic shutdowns are not conducive to lab research for sure and so <laughs> I'm it's great yeah. to hear how everyone's making the adjustment but we're getting there we're all figuring it out I think as we go along yeah, yeah. we'll be looking forward to the date we don't have to ask these questions about how is everyone doing with COVID so yeah yeah well and I think the researchers are looking forward to just the day when you know they don't have to be asking all those questions and probably taking all the PPE and all okay. of this the you know stuff out I worked with some the other day because they were actually doing some on farm stuff and I was like oh my word the amount of garb now that we have to bring you know the Darren's gonna think you're coming from outer space and <laughs> <laughs> no we're just coming from UC Davis yeah yep. uh, well, so, close to outer space <laughs> well, close to outer space right right but we try and bridge the gap sometimes of course most of our guys have you know they've done quite a bit of of research for years with the industry and it's not a big deal other ones you know um you know not so much so we kind of try to help make the introductions and some of that just kind of bridge the gap i think there's a real advantage to that and you know we've you know we'll kind of go into a question i didn't have on my list if that's okay but we have had a lot of guests we've had dr meyer um, we had Dr. Mitloner on a few weeks ago. And just um, having folks in the industry like CDRF, and sometimes it's even Western fills this role of making connections between the university and our farmers to show that we have, and our farmers absolutely have an interest in doing the research and improving practices. And that's a big part of what you guys do. It is, it is. And we are so fortunate here in California. Um, and I think, you know, sometimes we, it's easy for us to forget 
Um, and it's easy for us sometimes to be like, oh, the stinking university is doing this or that or whatever. But um, we just have a, like a plethora of these wonderful minds and brains to tap into, whether that's in the nutrition side or on the environmental side, or now we're getting more and more on the product innovation side to help with that end. And um, I just think we, we are just so fortunate because even though we can go out of state and we do, we just have such a minefield, you know, here, um, and a, just a wonderful selection of great, great minds to tap into, you know, right here locally, which is fantastic. Absolutely. We're definitely leaders in the world and our dairy producers, you know, prove that every day. So that's right. That's we try right. to work with them. Um, so Denise, I started out working with you in your role, um, a little more facilitating CDQAP meetings and, we had a great time traveling all up and down the North Coast, uh, leading those meetings. <laughs> we did. Hopefully we'll get to do that soon. <laughs> I know. I'm, we, I really miss you guys. And um, we were just wondering if you could speak a little bit to how CDQAP has also had to make adjustments here the last few months and how that process may even shape the way we can do business with CDQAP in the future. You bet. Um, so yeah, things have had to shift and change a little bit at CBQAP too. Um, so I think as most folks are available or are aware, excuse me, um, we have, you know, George Salsa as our evaluator and um, he did take a, a, a minute of pause for a month or two when it, you know, first came out. Um, and then um, really we had a kind of a team call and he's going out, he's doing evaluations um, as we speak. I think as people are aware, you know, on this five-year cycle that we're on with CDQAP, each year we have a certain number of dairies that come up for reevaluation in order to maintain their certification. So um, evaluations are looking a little bit different um, like everything else. So because we really can't sit down at the kitchen table or sit down in the office like we typically would do, um, what we are having people do is actually email in all of their reports that George needs to review. And so he's actually doing those from his home. Um, and then he, um, for the vast majority of them, is, um, is doing the evaluation drive around, the verification kind of step um, on his own. And then after that, there's typically a, a follow-up discussion via phone, you know, like if he has any questions about what he saw or, you know, anything was missing in paperwork or, you know, whatever, they'll have a, a quick chit chat. So it seems to be going pretty smoothly. We've had um, a couple out in kind of the, um, uh, I want to say, you know, that are a little bit further away. Um, and so, you know, we're working with some folks there. Um, because if it's not something that he can kind of get down to do the evaluation and then get back home in a day, um, we're looking for some assistance, typically from our trade association friends um, and others that are familiar with the program. Um, if they're located a little closer to be able to, you know, do that drive around, maybe take a camera feature um, or something on their phone um, to help him to get a you know, view of the dairy just wanting to make sure that um, we're providing that, you know, full service, adequate evaluation like we normally would. So, but yeah, I would just say at this point in the game, you know, we're, you know, we're into August now, and I think most people are familiar with the, um, the cutoff date of September 30th. 
um, for the annual fee discount to be eligible. So if they haven't already connected with George and are uh, kind of in the queue, if you will, I would just encourage people to you know get in contact with the program, call up George, um, and make sure that you can get his on his schedule because we certainly don't want anybody um, to drop off uh, for lack of being reevaluated. So. Um, and we do have to submit those dates um, when we submit it to the regional board. So um, they know, you know, when the last time we set our little feet on the dairy were. And if it's not, you know, every five years, then they balk. So definitely. Yeah, I worked with a producer up in Petaluma that was in, in, they're kind of still just finishing up the process of an evaluation. And for those that think it might be a little daunting to do online or you know, just with a drive around. It's really not, George makes it pretty easy. George is great because he, he knows dairies and he knows what he's doing. And um, so, yeah, if producers have questions about that, they can always reach out to us or, or CDQAP. Just call, give George a call. He'll love to talk to you. Yep. Definitely. Well, Denise, thanks so much for joining us today. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share with our producers? And we just want to first throw out there, of course, you're welcome anytime to come on when you guys have news or anything you need to get out there to producers. We'd love to have you back. But for today, if you have any other updates or anything. Sure. Um, thank you so much for that. Um, I always appreciate the opportunity to come and connect, especially these days where I'm like, okay, I don't know if I've, I've people on Zoom and I've answered a lot of emails, but I haven't seen another living soul except for my kids during the day. Yeah. Um, so, um, but I would say the only other thing to make producers aware of um, in terms of CDQAP is that we're going through the process, um, probably like many others during this time, um, and overhauling our website. Um, and we're really trying to make that much more dairy facing and dairy producer facing and sort of a, a repository that they can go to to tap um, for information very easily. So um, we've hired a, a company to help us do that overhaul. And, um, you know, there's things on there like the, the ruminations pages, which are the topic specific pages that people are looking for information on it on a given topic. And I will make just kind of a, a plug for those because um, Dr. Mike Payne, who works in our program, um, I don't know if people have met him or not, but he is a very uh, meticulous man. And so if it's a subject that he's, you know, making a topic page on it, he has gone through every scientific paper, every everything that he can get his hands on um, and have brought it together for folks in kind of one-stop shopping on those pages. Um, so really, if they kind of want a, a short link or a cheater link, <laughs> they can find them on there. So um, those will be on there and newsletters and, you know, just more and more stuff we're trying to put on there that are, you know, the binders if people are looking for forms and whatnot um, are always up there. So. Um, I would just say that uh, that project is probably going to be finished up sometime mid to late September, um, but just would let people know that that's happening and that, you know, hopefully if they're looking for resources that, you know, they won't forget to tap into that because I really do think there's a wealth of knowledge just right at their fingertips there. Definitely. That's a good resource, especially in today's day and age. It's so easy to just pop on with your phone and check stuff out. Make sure you have a little checklist of everything you need. Well, and it's just like anything now. I mean, anybody can do a Google search and everything's right at their fingertips, but who wants to worry, you know, 45 different papers and, you know, this is what, you know, so-and-so said about this. This is what, you know, this other person said about this. Um, and, you know, 
I know producers are busy people. They don't have time to be doing that. Um, so the nice thing is on these, you know, topics, if they're, if there's one that they're interested in up there, Mike's kind of already done the homework for them. So that's great. Well, thanks again so much for joining us, Denise. And again, please come back anytime. We'd love to have you and we'll hopefully talk to you soon. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I've enjoyed it. Well, thanks so much to Annie and Denise, both for joining us on the podcast today. And we're going to switch gears a little bit. Typically, we'll have a, a different interview or a producer on the show. But this week, Darby, you and I wanted to talk about a little bit more serious subject. So we're going to talk a little bit about producer mental health, which I think is really good timing, considering where we're at in 2020 right now. I agree. I think there is a lot of work that can be done in this area and a lot of awareness that really needs to be raised. Um, it's something I'm really, really passionate about. And I just think that there's a lot of times where farmers, you know, you carry all this responsibility and you're expected to handle it. And there are times when there are big things that happen or small things that just add up and you just need to talk to someone and you just maybe need some help. I think this is one of those weeks where not only small things have added up, but there's a lot of big things going on that are out of our control. And those are really affecting our businesses throughout the country, but um, especially in California right now, and especially in the ag industry. So I think getting a handle on what signs and symptoms to recognize is a really good place to start and, and giving some resources to folks. I agree. So, you know, there's outward and inward signs of stress and everybody portrays these stress signals differently. Um, and this stress can be short term or it can be chronic and it can be long term and you see a lot of these kind of changes in behavior. And if someone's feeling depression, which is common in farmers, maybe they lost something of value, you, in, you know, you experienced some financial decline, anything like that you can kind of see a change in behavior, maybe in yourself or in someone that you care about. You know, maybe they're sadder than usual, they're more high strung than usual, they're having a hard time staying calm, they can't eat or sleep. You know, just really look for the changes in yourself and those around you and just, you, you, know, you know yourself better than anybody else does. So if you're feeling these kinds of strange changes, it's important that you either reach out to someone that you're close to, a friend, a family member, or you can reach out to us too. And I know from, you know, personal experience, one of the hardest things about depression is it's actually really hard to reach out sometimes. So we ask that you also keep an eye on your neighbors and your family members and friends and fellow farmers. And if you notice something's a little bit off, if someone maybe has a extreme weight loss or weight gain, they seem like they haven't been sleeping, they just sound a little sad or a little more stressed than usual, please just ask them how they're doing. It, it really helps sometimes just to have, know that somebody's there and, and listening and, and willing to help you and walk you through what's going on. So one of the things we really, really need to prevent is suicide and the suicide rate in our country, um, you know, continues to go up even though there are a lot of things we can do to help prevent that. And number one is if you or someone you know may be experiencing thoughts of suicide, please call the Suicide Prevention Hotline. That's 1-800-SUICIDE or 1-800-784-2433. We also have a lot of additional resources through Western United, through the University of California Cooperative Extension. So if you don't feel comfortable 
calling or calling for a friend or just honestly, if anyone out there just needs someone to talk to about what's going on, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. We're, we're here for you. And as we wrap up the show with that in mind, we really want to give a huge thank you to Annie and Denise for joining us for today's episode. And thank you to all of our listeners and members. We know you're out there working hard. So remember to reach out to us with any questions you might have, comments or content requests at wud.pod at gmail.com. And my email is Darby, D-A-R-B-Y at wudaries.com. And Melissa? You can find me at M-L-E-M-A at wudairies.com. And we hope you'll rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. And we really appreciate all of you guys. Have a great weekend. While West United Dairies respects the varied views of our podcast guests, please know that views expressed on Seen and Heard may not necessarily reflect the positions of the Western United Dairies Board of Directors. Thank you to Western United Dairies generous 2020 business sponsors, Gar Bennett, California Dairy Magazine, Farm Credit Alliance, FNR Ag Services, Moss Energy Works, Bennett Environmental, PG&E, and Yosemite Farm Credit. We appreciate our sponsors and thank them for their continued support. If you'd like more information on how to sponsor Western United Dairies or this podcast, please send us an email at info at wudairies.com. That's info at w-u-d-a-i-r-i-e-s.com. Thank you.